Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you some serious cash on last minute tickets to sports, concerts, all types of shows. I'm going to tell you a really cool feature that I just discovered recently, actually. Uh, pull it up, it'll show you events in your area for under 50 bucks, so you might not even know what you really want to go to. It'll show you what's coming up in the next week that you can get into for nice and cheap. Uh, that's pretty cool. I got uh, the Quick Lane Bowl coming up here in Detroit, got a couple of musicals, got some shows coming up, so wide range of choices there and uh, again sort of just help you make up your mind for you so game time is hooking you up for the holidays with ten dollar credit too here's what to do download the game time app in the google play or app store click on the my Tickets section of the app create an account and under the billing section redeem code the athletic once again that's the athletic all one word for ten dollars off your first purchase that's free money people Credit is only available to the first thousand people who redeem the code and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, 2019. So make moves quick and score those last minute tickets. Welcome to the Athletics Prospects to Pros podcast. I'm Chris Burke, joined by Dame Brugler and our producer Kent Garrison. This is uh, part two of our bowl preview. Uh, if you missed part one, you can go back and find that uh, on the Athletic app, as well as Apple Podcasts, anywhere else you, you happen to listen to the show. Uh, this is for our subscribers only, as our uh, second show of the week always is, so we appreciate you uh, checking us out, getting the Athletic subscription. If you're new to the show... We've been going for about uh, four months now, so feel free to roll back, not just to our uh, bowl preview from earlier in the week, but all the way back through the season. We've hit on a ton of different prospects along the way. And uh, Dane, one of those guys we've talked about a bunch is, uh, we'll get into the bowl games here shortly, but he's playing uh, a few hours after we're recording this. Uh, Jordan Love in the news a little bit uh, this week. Got the Senior Bowl invite, a little... Uh, running with the law, uh, charged with marijuana possession. Um, sounds like he's playing in the game anyway, but anything that happened this week uh, impact your evaluation of uh, Jordan Love? It, it's something that, I mean, like, regardless of anybody's opinion about marijuana and the role that it plays in athletics and sports and whether or not it should be tested and, and all that, I, I mean, if you break the law, I mean, and knowingly break the law, it's not like you accidentally went over the speed limit. You know, you knowingly break the law. It's just, it's a red flag about your decision-making off the field, especially for a senior, uh, technically a redshirt junior quarterback who had already declared and is preparing for the biggest job interview of his life. So, you know, regardless of anybody's opinion about just you know, how severe of a, a penalty or, or, a, or a crime this is, um, you know, that's really irrelevant. It, it, I'm more concerned with the fact that he chose to to do this when, you know, like I said, the biggest job interview is basically between now and, uh, you know, over the next four months. So it shows a severe lapse in judgment. And it's something that he's I don't think it, that act alone is going to necessarily knock him down draft boards, anything like that. But He's going to he better have the right answers when teams ask him about it and drill him. And it's really going to cause teams to ask more questions into his background. And, you know, what other uh, you know questionable decisions uh, is he making, uh, you know, in the past? Things like that. So um, it's certainly something that is not going to just be 
you know, ho-hum, you know, teams will, uh, okay, you know, we'll move on. And, you know, it, there is more to this than just what's on the surface. And then the other piece of that news there, as I said, they, they still expected to play. I guess we'll find out, you know, like I said, we're recording a few hours before uh, that bowl game. It's the second one of the bowl season, Utah State and Kent State in the Frisco Bowl. It's, uh, so we'll see. I mean, he's expected to play in that game. Um, and as, as I mentioned, he also is one of four quarterbacks who were on the initial uh, Senior Bowl roster reveal, along with Anthony Gordon from Washington State, who we've talked about a bunch, uh, Stephen Montez from Colorado, who we really haven't talked about much at all, and then Shea Patterson from Michigan, who uh, was a guy we figured was probably pretty high up in that discussion for you know QB7, QB8 among the invite list at the Senior Bowl, and he gets uh, a chance there. Um, You've been saying all along it was important for Jordan Love to go to this event, uh, to play, to perform well, to meet with the teams, probably even more so now after what's happened off the field. But uh, just in terms of the other or the, or this early crop, I guess, we're still waiting to see between two and four more quarterbacks probably added to this list. But uh, your initial reaction to the, the quartet that's there already? Yeah, and obviously the three that we're waiting on, the big ones, would be Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts. Um, those are three that are up in the air right now. They have their invites, just waiting on whether or not they're going to accept. Um, Jordan Love going is obviously extremely important for him. It's, you know, Josh Allen. I think a lot of ways, um, you know, they mirror each other when Josh Allen was coming out, out of Wyoming after his redshirt junior year, which, you know, wasn't a particularly uh, productive season, uh, disappointed a lot. You know, by that time, uh, you know, a lot of people were clued in on Josh Allen being a top prospect. And so they really paid attention to what he did his final year at Wyoming. And it did not go well, especially against FBS or not FBS, but Power 5 competition. Uh, you know, the Iowa game stands out and some of those other games against better competition. So it was important for Josh Allen to go to the Senior Bowl and play well. And he did. And Jordan Love could do the same thing. Uh, and maybe help change the narrative about, uh, you know, how, he regressed this year and, you know, the production didn't match. And so uh, good, good opportunity for him. Um, and Shea Patterson, the way he played and uh, Jim Nagy uh, even said this, the way he played down the stretch, especially in November, really kind of changed things with, uh, with regards to Shea Patterson. Uh, he earlier in the season, it was a lot of, you know, just questionable decisions and, um, you know, a lot of what we saw last year as a junior, but down the stretch, it seemed like he started to click more. Uh, the offensive line got better. The run game got better and that impacted the quarterback. Um, and aside from that second half against Ohio state, he had a really good November. So, um, you know, I, good to see Shea Patterson there. Montez, I, I'm not a. I, I understand why some like Montez. I liked him over the summer, um, but he looks like the same guy now that he did as a freshman. I just don't see any development there. But he's six four. He's two thirty. He's a good athlete, and he's got uh, a big time arm. So I get why he's going. Uh, not a big surprise there. So I, we're at what four acceptances? So and we're waiting on three. And so technically there'd be one more, um, you know, I think Nate Stanley from Iowa, uh, James Morgan from FIU, Brian Lewerke, those are the three names that immediately come to mind uh, for that eighth spot. And then maybe uh, more if we have, uh, you know, Joe Burrow, I, I think as competitive as he is, I still, I wouldn't be surprised if he elects not to go with as much as he's done this year. There's really just no reason for him to go. Yeah. And especially uh, very possible that he's playing 
for another you know three weeks now uh, with the right, semifinals right. and the uh, if they get to the championship game, I mean that's there's only like a thirteenth. Ten, yeah, there's not much of a gap there between the uh, yeah. the championship game and the Senior Bowl, so um, that'd be a tough turnaround too. Um, yeah, Montez, I was, I guess I was. You're a little, you're more clued into who might be getting the invites to the Senior Bowls than the, than I am, but I was a little surprised to see his name uh, land on that list just because of some of the other guys that we talked about along the way being possibilities. Uh, and like you said, I think even going back to 2017, you know, there were some moments where he looked like a really exciting prospect and had some big games and showed some mobility. And um, and then it's pretty much been, uh, as you said, it's been even even the lineup is stats against one another. It's been the same thing for three seasons now. So um, right, kind of kind of curious to see how he performs down there. But um, we got plenty of time to get into the Senior Bowl as we get closer to that trip to Mobile. We got a bunch of bowl games to cover here. Our uh, part one of our bowl preview ran uh, through the games on the twenty seventh. The 28th, we have two playoff games, uh, Oklahoma-LSU at uh, 4 Eastern and Clemson-Ohio State at 8 Eastern. But a couple interesting games before that, too, on that day, uh, kicking off at noon, Notre Dame, Iowa State, and then uh, Memphis-Penn State. So I guess maybe we'll start with those two because I'm sure there's plenty to talk about with the playoff games. Uh, and those are two te- those are four teams, I guess. Uh, well, at least Notre Dame, Penn State, Memphis, three of the four. We've talked about a bunch. Iowa State, um is there anyone on that Iowa State roster that jumps out for you? Not really. It's a very young team. Um, you know, last year yeah. they had you it's know, a fun offense. Yeah, it is. It, Brock Purdy, uh, only a sophomore. Um, you know, he's a guy we'll be talking about ne- next year as a player that has, um, you know, is kind of ascending. Um, but it's just it's a really young team, and they've got some guys on defense, especially in that front seven. I think mean, Marcel Spears. Um, a little bit of an undersized linebacker who can play coverage, uh, has some range to him, but I think he's more of a priority free agent. So I, I think there's a, a chance that the Cyclones might be shut out uh, of this year's draft, which, again, they had you know, a couple of picks in the top four rounds last year, uh, but I think they're going to might be shut out this year. Uh, but it's, they are a good team. They're going to have some good players uh, just down the line, not maybe not necessarily in this year's draft. Yeah, Deshante Jones, I think, is their leading receiver, uh, senior. Um, I don't know if he's a, a draft possibility or not, uh, but yeah, they are a fun off. Brees Hall, that running back, mm-hmm. is a freshman, I believe. Um, you know, so they got some guys, like you said, to sort of watch for the years to come. Um, anyone you want to go back and we've talked about Notre Dame so much, um, yeah, a lot of those prospects there, but. Uh, is there anyone on that that roster or on that Penn State roster that needs a big final game? Like, how much does the does uh, going out on a high note impact what's going to happen with these guys? Yeah, I think that uh, for Notre Dame, Troy Pride, the corner, um, you know, he is a guy that runs really well. Um, he, he's in a lot of ways exactly what you want in a man-to-man corner because of his physical nature, because of uh, just the athleticism, the the speed that he offers, but in some teams, I know they, they've thought of him as a top one hundred possibility um, in the summer and then earlier in the season. He just he has not played great uh, this year, and so I think if he wants to convince teams that he is worthy of top one hundred status, uh, going out with a big bowl game against Iowa State, who they will put the ball up in the air, and so for pride, he just needs to make some plays. Um, and, and show that he's more than just a, a guy with speed. He can uh, find the football. He can locate. He can make plays on the ball. Um, he's not going to attract penalties, things like that. So uh, for Troy Pride, who's 
you know, one of these senior corners who ha- has talent. It just needs to be more consistent uh, in order to convince scouts. Uh, he definitely comes to mind uh, for Penn State. Uh, you know, KJ Hamler, uh, not that he necessarily needs to, you know, prove anything, but this is a guy who is 5'9 and he's a buck 75. So the size is always going to work against him. And so any chance that he has to show that he's a small player who can play big, that's that's going to be something that always stands out. And so kind of this this being likely his final game, um, he hasn't officially declared yet. Uh, but this likely being his final game, uh, you know, a chance to kind of put an exclamation point on uh, on his career would be something that I know uh, teams would be paying attention to. You've got uh, Penn State's punter in your top five punters, too. Yeah. Don't want to leave him out. No, don't no, leave I can't. Blake Gilligan out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, and uh, I'd say for uh, for Memphis real quick, too, They uh, it's kind of the same thing with Iowa State where – you know, last year they had a couple picks in the top four rounds with their their running backs, mm-hmm. and uh, this year they might not uh, have a draft pick. But if they do, they've got another running back, Patrick Taylor, who was supposed to be you know kind of take over and be the guy this year, but he's been hurt most of the season. So can he rebound and have like you know that one final game against a pretty good Penn State defense? Uh, so Patrick Taylor, who's different than. Um, you know, the two Memphis guys last year were Daryl Henderson and, and Pollard. Uh, Pat, Patrick Taylor is 6'2", 225. Uh, not, not particularly fast, but he's a big bruiser. He's got some uh, yards after uh, after contact in him. So I'd like to see what Patrick Taylor can do. And then going up against that Penn State defense with Robert Windsor, who's a pretty good run stopper, and then Cam Brown, the really, really speedy, athletically talented linebacker who doesn't have the best instincts, but he can fly. DeMonte Coxie is the other guy in that Memphis offense. He's gone back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons at wide receiver. Uh, is a junior. There was some talk that he might not play in this bowl game. He said he's going to play. But, um, I mean, is that a guy we should expect in the draft this year? I just sort of always assume when – I think he's a junior, right, a redshirt junior. Um, is that a guy that you uh, – Maybe think has some some upside. He's like I said, he's gone eleven 1, hundred. It went eleven hundred and four yards last year, uh, eleven hundred forty four yards this year, and you kind of almost expect when uh, guys have maybe one year of eligibility left, but they're coming off two big seasons, right? Uh, especially at skill positions, you feel like they're going to go. Is that someone that's on your radar at all? And the other factor too is they're losing their head coach uh, with Norvell right. taking over at Florida State, and that's always something. And they're hiring within, so you know that there might be some continuity there that would keep players around but yeah whenever you lose the head coach it's always a uh, a signal that you know some of these juniors might say okay well you know it's time for my for me to go um yeah i mean coxie he's 6'2 190 um decent speed i don't think he's gonna test off the charts i think he'll test okay um but the production's been there um there, there's no question i think if he does declare he has a chance to be you know maybe a day three guy but you know, it's just it's tough for these receivers because it's going to be such a loaded class. Like as we've talked about, uh, it, some of these guys are going to get lost in the shuffle. You know, Katie Nixon from Colorado, um, who Lavisca Chenault's you know best bud, uh, he decided to come out, and yesterday he announced that he was going back to school, had a change of heart, and I think that's probably the best move for him. He would have been kind of lost in this wide receiver class, and so as long as players do not hire an agent. They are allowed to go back uh, before the deadline, uh, 17th of January. So Katie Nixon, Colorado, took advantage of that. Um, and it's something for, obviously, for some of these receivers, these underclassmen receivers who aren't 
consider locks to be top 100 picks, something for them to think about. And then the playoff games uh, that night on the 28th or that late afternoon and, and night, Oklahoma, LSU, and then Clemson, Ohio State. Uh, you know, understandably, I think, uh, since these teams have been up at the top of the rankings for the entire year, we've talked a lot about these guys, talked a lot about Joe Burrow, for sure, that uh, that LSU secondary, a bunch of guys in that um, Ohio State offense, that Clemson offense. I mean, we've hit a ton of these prospects. Uh, one guy was maybe, I, I know we kind of have, have brought up before, but that uh, you've got as your number three linebacker and is really impressive whenever you watch Oklahoma and certainly you would expect would need to have a big game here if Oklahoma's going to hang around is uh, Kenneth Murray, the linebacker. Um, why, why do you have him that high, I guess? So like I said, you've got him number three in your positional rankings that went up uh, a week ago. And then does Oklahoma have any chance defensively here? Well, Oklahoma actually ranks – uh, number 25 in the nation in total defense, um, and number one in the Big 12. And so, you know, I, I, leading the Big 12 in defense might not sound very impressive, just, <laughs> you know, without any context, but they rank number 25 in the nation against going up against yeah. Big 12 teams week in and week out. So, you know, that's fairly impressive. Uh, so this isn't just a, uh, you know, a pushover defense. Um, they, they've got some guys on that side of the ball. Uh, you know, we've talked about Neville Gallimore a lot. But yeah, I think the heart yep. and soul is is Murray. Uh, the play speed is ridiculous. Uh, you know, when he sees it, he unlocks and he goes. And it's not just the the, the play speed, but the competitive motor that he has. It, it just it allows him to play loose, play free. He's a high impact tackler. Uh, he has a little bit of burst at, at contact. Uh, runs his feet, strikes through his his target. So he is a fun player to watch hunt. Um, needs to work on his strike zone a little bit. He hits very high, and sometimes that will allow a ball carrier to work off him. And going up against a running back like Edwards Hilaire, who is uh, vertically challenged to begin with, but he runs with low pads. And so uh, for Kenneth Murray to uh, really stop that LSU run game, he's going to have to work on that strike zone a little bit. So eager to watch that matchup. Um, you know, this comes down to, I think, just the quarterbacks looking at him. Joe Burrow going up against Oklahoma. Um, you know, I think he's going to be okay after what we saw, what he did against that Georgia defense, that Alabama defense, Auburn, Florida. I mean, he just rolled through that SEC schedule. So the Oklahoma, Oklahoma defense shouldn't give him too much trouble. But for Jalen Hurts, going up against that fast and physical uh, LSU defense, arguably the best defense he'll see all season, it's going to be a, a little bit of a tougher test. And so eager to see how, how he responds to that. Um, you know, I expect we'll see a lot of the, the run game with Brooks and Sermon and, you know, uh, everything that they offer. So uh, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be an interesting matchup, I think for a little bit, but I think LSU is just way too talented. Uh, and I think they'll run away with it in the second half. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to pick against them the way they play this year. Yeah. And like you said, I think that to just have, I mean, they're favored by almost two touchdowns. Um, Hopefully, just from a you know viewing it standpoint, a viewership standpoint, that that it hangs a little closer than that. But then the second one, uh, Clemson actually favored over Ohio State, even though Ohio State's ranked higher. And like I said, we've hit on a ton of these guys over the year. Um, do you have a favorite on that Clemson team? I guess I won't even narrow it down to the offense. Do you have a favorite there? I know you've got a ton of guys. Uh, in your top 10 rankings or Clemson guys throughout the top 100, uh, the last big board you put up, is there one that you'd really bang the table for? Whew, yeah, it's, how do you pick one? I, I think there are <laughs> definitely a few guys that, um, you know, Isaiah Simmons on defense, 
he's yeah. he's just so much fun to watch with everything that he can do. I think people are going to overthink it with you know the role and position questions. Uh, he's just a big time player uh, as a blitzer, uh, as a run blocker. He can turn and run coverage. There's just a lot of things you can do with a player like that, and so um, I, it's just he's an easy, easy player to like with that that play speed and uh, just the versatility that he offers on offense. Um, you know, I do like Travis Etienne. Um, I, I don't, I don't love him as much as other people, just because he is more of an athlete than a true running back, and that's that's okay. You can w- absolutely win with a guy like that. Um, you know, because he has that speed and his ability to force missed tackles. Um, is something that is a real weapon. Uh, but again, he's just a little bit different than your traditional running back. And so that's something that factors in. I do really like T. Higgins. Uh, his focus, uh, his hand-eye coordination, the reflexes for a guy with that size and that catch radius, it's just that that is something that a quarterback is going to love. And so, you know, I was talking with someone the other day about, uh, you know, like the Redskins and uh, who would really compliment uh, Terry McLaurin uh, in that offense, like T. Higgins would be perfect, but he was not going to have that uh, that speed or the separation that a Terry McLaurin has. But his ability to give the quarterback a huge target, uh, not just with his size, but the way he can expand that catch radius, climb the ladder, uh, and pluck the ball away from his body and over defensive backs, that is a real weapon in today's NFL. What about you? Is there anyone on that Clemson roster that really? Uh, stands out above others as a, as one of your favorite guys to watch yeah and obviously that higgins uh ohio state secondary matchup should be a lot of fun yeah he, no question so those ohio state guys highly ranked there i mean i really do like etn um i just like you said it's it's one of those cases where you know you almost have to force yourself to take a step back from what he does in college and try to figure out what he can do at the next level um and you know if he's going to be a three down guy uh i don't know that i have a complete picture of what he would be as a receiving threat at the next level but he's just so much fun when he gets in space and he can get going downhill and kind of just turn it loose with that speed i would assume he's going to run a great time at the combine i mean he seems like he has that incredible straight line speed um and just in that offense he's done so much damage i mean isaiah simmons is the other one that we've talked about a bunch and just uh, sort of how he fits with what modern NFL defenses are doing, I think. Um, you know, he's got a chance to be a, an impact guy at the next level pretty early on mm-hmm. because of the variety of ways you can use him. So um, kind of low-hanging fruit going for those two guys. But they're they're sure. both uh, – I mean, they're both so good that it's hard to really ignore them. I mean, I will mention too before we get off the uh, playoff games because we still got a, a few days to roll through here, but um, you have – uh, Creed Humphrey and Oklahoma atop your interior offensive line rankings, and then Lloyd Cushaberry from LSU right behind him. Wyatt Davis from Ohio State is in that top ten too. So, uh, for teams and fans looking for centers or guards, um, those playoff matchups might be a pretty good place to start. Yeah, and John Simpson, uh, the left guard for Clemson, um, I think he has a chance oh, yeah. to be the yeah, at least right over him on your top. Yeah, 10 wait, he has a chance to be the first uh, guard drafted. Uh, we'll have to see. He's He's a guy that plays stout. He's got a powerful base, eager hands. Uh, he flashes violence in those hands. Um, I think probably a better run blocker. He's he's a very strong drive blocker. He can bulldoze bodies. Um, needs and pass protection needs to be a little bit better. Kind of resetting and helping. You know, just with against speed. That's that's kind of where you can struggle at times. But yeah, I think you're right. This is not. 
a class that's loaded with interior offensive line talent, but they're definitely going to be uh, – there's, there's some of these guys that are going to be in these playoff games that have a chance to be top 100 picks, and especially because it's not a strong interior offensive line class, like I said. So it's we're going to see some of these guys get pushed up. Um, Lloyd Cushenberry and uh, Humphrey, they're both going to have uh, decisions to make. They're both underclassmen. Um, I, I should – should mention Cushenberry, part of the LSU offensive line that just won the Joe Moore Award as the nation's top offensive line. So that's uh, you know the LSU just cleaning up with these uh, awards with uh, obviously the Heisman with Joe Burrow and uh, the other quarterback awards he won. Uh, Jamar Chase, uh, Blitnikoff, the Thorpe Award, the Grant Delpit, which was a little bit of a farce, but uh, Joe, Joe, the Joe Moore Award going to the LSU offensive line, I think, was absolutely um, uh, deserving uh, with the way that they helped that offense. And uh, Cushenberry, in my opinion, might be the best uh, of the top five or of that five uh, on the LSU offensive line. So uh, definitely worth watching. One thing I did, I, I think I mentioned Sermon. I, he's out for the year. I meant Stevenson for the Oklahoma backfield. Brooks and Stevenson. Um, it's it, it, two really good running backs who um, I think Oklahoma, obviously, you know, with with Hertz as well, they're going to rely on that three headed rushing attack uh, to be to kind of set up the pass uh, against uh, that really good LSU defense. And we'll move on uh, to the 30th, where we have the next set of uh, four games there. Western Kentucky against Western Michigan, Cal at, against Illinois, Mississippi State, Louisville, and Florida, Georgia. Um, uh, a few of these teams I don't think are represented even on the top 10 uh, positional rankings, but Cal has uh, Ashton Davis, who's a really nice product. We've talked about a few times and a, a couple other guys there. Unfortunately, um, he's Louisville's out. has got Mackay Beckton. So, yeah, right. Unfortunately, um, he, he, he just had minor surgery, um, so... Ashton Davis, unfortunately, is going to be out for this one. Um, but he, they're hopeful he can still play in the Senior Bowl, but we'll have to see about that. And then Louisville's uh, got uh, Makai Becton, who sounds like is headed to the draft, and Florida's got um, a handful of guys that we've talked about. And maybe, I don't know, is, is C.J. Henderson the best of those guys for you at Florida? Yeah, I mean, he is, I think, the the top guy. And unfortunately, another guy is not going to be playing in the bowl game. I think that <laughs> right. doing doing these bowl previews, that was the toughest part. Because uh, I literally, every player that I talked about, and I doing these bowl previews, the, the first part's up on, on The Athletic. The second part will be up here uh, shortly. I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of players that I'm mentioning. And I literally have to fact check each and every one because even, <laughs> even some of these seniors are deciding not to play. So it's not just some of these underclassmen, some of these seniors as well. Um, some of them are choosing not to play. Some like Ashton Davis are won't be able to play because of injury. But uh, yeah, I think C.J. Henderson is the top underclassman, uh, the top uh, prospect that Florida has. Uh, probably their, their only chance at a first rounder this year. Um but some of the guys that will be playing, uh, Jonathan Grenard, who that edge rusher who really burst on the scene after transferring from Louisville, he kind of entered the year as a mid rounder, um, you know, a guy that maybe you thought could sneak into that top 100, but I think he's you know on his way to sneaking into that top 50. That's the way he's played this year, uh, you know, he sets a physical edge in the run game. Uh, he's got a little bit of uh, juice off the edge, rush the passer. Um, he's he's definitely a guy to keep an eye on, and then opposite him, Jabari Zaniga, um, who only played five games this year. He came into the season as a a likely day two pick, but injuries have really uh took away from his season. So can he? He's expected to play. Can he? 
you know, really show up in this game and kind of remind people why he was considered a top 100 pick. But um, yeah, unfortunately for this, the Capital One Orange Bowl, um, two of the better corners with Bryce Hall and CJ Henderson, unfortunately, neither are going to be playing because uh, you know Bryce Hall's injury that he suffered midseason and then CJ Henderson electing not to play. I'll circle back on Cal because, uh, like you said, Ashton Davis not expected to go, but Evan Weaver, mm-hmm. uh, linebacker there, is headed to the Senior Bowl. He's a, a guy that kind of pops from time to time on, on tape, too, and really uh, racked up a ton of tackles for them. Um, I mean, do you see him as uh, a three-down, you know, high-ceiling guy, or is he going to be a, a two-down kind of run-stopper, special teams ace-type uh, player at the next level? I mean, is there enough – have you seen enough from him in coverage? I mean, I assume that's one of the senior bowl things that we'll be looking for too. Uh, but have you seen enough from him in coverage so far? Yeah, and this is where as much as I kind of talk glowingly about Ashton Davis, um, Evan Weaver <laughs> is where Cal fans and I have a little bit of a disagreement. And look, I, look he is an outstanding college player. 173 tackles. Are you kidding me? Like yeah. I, I, the production speaks for itself. Um, but the tape, it just he is a dominant run defender because he's first of all he's huge uh, you know he's 6'3 240 um really good downhill but I, he is just in reverse he looks lost um he str- really struggles to cover doesn't have any feel for the ball when it's in the air um just does is not a very good cover defender at all now against the run he he can play downhill but even even downhill, he doesn't use his hands very well. I mean, I think this is a guy who it, you you look to fill out the back end of your your linebacker depth chart with a guy like this because you love the mentality, you love you know just the intensity that he brings. Um, you, you know what you're getting out of him day in day out. He's going to work his tail off. So I think he's going to you know survive in the NFL. But I don't see necessarily a consistent NFL starter who's going to make this huge impact. I think he's going to be more of a guy that rounds out your roster that you you love to have in practice that coaches are going to absolutely love but again I, I don't I don't see a you know starter material type of linebacker yeah that's why I mentioned special teams too because I feel like he's one of like that 48th guy on the roster that right. you throw out there in every situation and he just blows some people up every once in a while right, on right. a kick return or something he seems like he has that uh type of mentality so um but yeah just another prospect to keep an eye on that day um five more games New Year's Eve, Virginia Tech, Kentucky, Florida State, Arizona State, uh, Navy, Kansas State, Wyoming, Georgia State, and then Utah, Texas to round it out. Could be an interesting one uh, at the Alamo Bowl. It's uh, maybe the most underrated bowl game. I love the Alamo Bowl. <laughs> I don't know why. I've always enjoyed it. <laughs> it feels like the games are always pretty yeah. good there. Was that though, the TCU-Oregon game a couple years ago? That was the Alamo Bowl, wasn't it? Where it just went to two overtimes and – so yeah, no, there, I agree. There've definitely been some really impressive games played there, um, and this is kind of this this Utah Texas matchup reminds me a lot of the Sugar Bowl last year when Georgia expected to play in a, or be in the playoffs. They didn't. They go to the Sugar Bowl to face Texas, right. and they just got steamrolled because it just seemed like they didn't want to be there. You know, they, they were disinterested. Utah, they were a win away from probably going to the playoffs in the Pac-12 championship game. So not only do they not go to the Final Four. But they don't make the they don't win the Pac-12. So you know this is a, a, could we see a repeat where Texas, uh, who didn't have didn't live up to expectations, but uh, you know could they take advantage of a team that's kind of 
maybe did not expect to be playing on in the Alamo Bowl just because they had they had higher hopes. We'll we'll have to see. There are a couple uh, matchups in this one that I am very eager to see. Uh, Jalen Johnson's not playing uh, the corner; he's declared, uh, and then Julian Blackman is out with an injury. But Terrell Burgess, who's uh, one of the better safety senior safeties in this draft class, he is playing, and we see him a lot go up against man-on-man uh, with a slot receiver. And so anytime he matches up with Devin DuVernay, that is going to be a lot of fun. DuVernay leads the FBS in catches, uh, speed. He's got a running back build. A lot of his uh, production comes after the catch. And so Burgess is going to be tested in this one uh, as a tackler, um, as ability to uh, you know understand route concepts and you know what they're trying to do. And so I'm eager to watch that matchup to see how that Plays out. Um, and then in the trenches, um, Sam Cosme, the left tackle for Texas, has a big NFL decision coming up here. If he declares, I think he has a chance to be a top 50 pick. Um, if he goes back, I think he has a chance to get better and, and you know, uh, be better for it long term. Uh, he's only a redshirt sophomore. And most times, offensive linemen, redshirt sophomores, they are better suited to go back to school and get better. Um, but in this one, he's going up against Bradley and I, who, uh, I think both these players, they win with their first step. Um, you know, Cosme, he's really quick to get into his pass sets. Bradley and I, he thrives on that first step burst, uh, to immediately get tackles off balance. It's, it's what he does best. And so, uh, you know, he has 12 and a half sacks. Cosme's, uh, had a really nice year. So I think that's going to be a, a fun one to watch. And then on defense, on the other side of the ball, uh, Utah, Zach Moss, who, uh, just needs 161 yards to have the single season record for Utah for uh, rushing yards in a game. He's going up against a Texas defense that has plenty of holes. Uh, but Brandon Jones, uh, the safety who uh, I thought would come out last year. I thought he had a chance to be a day two pick. He goes back for a senior year uh, and has had a decent year. Pretty good. Not not great. Um, but he can play either safety spot. He'll play a lot in the nickel. But he'll be uh, an integral part of ch- uh, closing down that uh, Utah running game. So he'll be tested as a tackler. So plenty of uh, NFL prospect matchups to watch in this one. Uh, Florida State, I know Cam Akers isn't playing. I haven't seen anything yet on a couple of the other prospects. You know, um, uh, Marvin Wilson, I don't think he, we got he any. Is, yeah, he's still hurt, so he's he not playing. playing. Oh, right. Um, okay. He, uh, right, right. And then Nazardine, too, the linebacker safety, he's hurt. It's, so, yeah. uh, unfortunately, and, and really both sides, this is a game that uh, on paper, you know, just by the casual viewer, it looked like it'd be an awesome game, but – Brandon Ayuk is not playing because he's preparing for the draft. That's one of those seniors who is making that decision. Eno Benjamin um, is not going to be playing. A declared junior. Cam Akers, who you mentioned. Um, and then, of course, Marvin Wilson and Nazruddin. So, on, unfortunately, this game is not going to be what it could be because of those uh, NFL or decisions to skip for uh, to prepare for the NFL draft. But there are still a few guys. Um, Tamarion Terry, the wide receiver for Florida State. He has mm-hmm. an NFL decision to make, so see how he does uh, in this one. And then uh, for uh, Arizona State, besides Ayuk and Eno Benjamin, I don't know if they're going to have a draft pick. If they do, um, Cobral, the the center, I think he has a shot to be in the later rounds. And then for Florida State, Levante Taylor, who he was a five star guy coming out, had he really flashed as a freshman and sophomore, but he had a rough season last year. He's hurt a lot. Um, comes back for his senior year. Didn't really have the senior year I think most were expecting. I think he might be on the outside looking in in terms of being a draft pick. But uh, a couple seniors who have a chance to you know maybe change the narrative if they can have a big bowl game. 
Yeah, Marvin Wilson had the hand surgery in early early yeah. November, I think, mid November. Um, but that's I mean that's a if that's a like a borderline round one guy, right? Yeah, I yeah. Mean, he, he hasn't announced yet if he's coming out yet. I, I think most right. expect him to come out, especially with the the coaching change. But um, yeah, I think he, especially in this class, where after. Derek Brown after Javon Kinlaw, who, in my opinion, are the top two defensive tackles. I think you have a little bit of a, a question mark about, OK, who's the next guy? When's he off the board? And I think Marvin Wilson could be that guy. Um, Justin Matabuke from A&M. I think he's in that mix as well. So, yeah, I think I, I would be surprised if he went back to school. But um, we'll have to see what decision he makes here in the next uh, two weeks. Yeah, one of those guys who can really get to the quarterback from an interior spot, so that's yeah. always beneficial, certainly, for NFL teams. Uh, three games, New Year's Day, Minnesota-Auburn, uh, Oregon-Wisconsin over in the Rose Bowl, and then Georgia-Baylor closing it out in the Sugar Bowl. Um, you know, we're already up over half hour here, so I don't want to keep people game by game the rest of the way, but anyone on that that day that, that jumps out for you, again, that sort of needs a big – maybe finishing kick here whether maybe it's justin herbert or jonathan taylor that's certainly a, a big matchup there uh, out in pasadena yeah no i think that's gonna be because oregon's defense i mean this isn't the oregon uh you know the, the chip chip kelly's oregon this is a, a team that has a really good defense and so to see how that offensive line and that run game matches up will be uh, uh i think make for good scouting theater um it'll be something that uh, will be interesting to watch both from a Scott's perspective and just a casual fan. So I'm really looking forward to the Rose Bowl, uh, Minnesota and Auburn. Um, just, you know, another chance to see Tyler Johnson um, at wide receiver, who I mentioned this before, but it, it and I said this over the summer, said it throughout the season. It just it kind of seems like Twitter and fans are much higher on Tyler Johnson than NFL teams are. Uh, <laughs> and, and that's, that's okay. Maybe, you know, Twitter and fans will end up being right. Um, but I don't know. I, I have plenty of questions as well uh, with, with Tyler Johnson, but see, just see how he does against an Auburn defense that has a lot of speed um, in the back half of that defense um, uh, with Javaris Davis and Igbawani and a couple of their safeties, uh, a couple of draftable guys, day three guys. So, See how how they match up, and then Georgia and Baylor um, uh, to see how uh, Mims, um, Jamichael ha- Hasty, the running back, he recently got a Senior Bowl invite to see how that. Uh, it's not a great offense, and so just to see how if they can do anything against a pretty good Georgia defense. I noticed uh, again, just sort of going back on your uh, uh, position rankings, a guy that's going to the Senior Bowl, Prince Tega Wanaho, isn't on there at offensive tackle. I mean, is he a has he fallen, or is it just a matter of that class settling a little bit? I mean, what's his status? At, you know, as we head into the bowl game and into that Senior Bowl week, I, he's a player who might end up being a better pro um, than college player because you see, you look at him and he's very toolsy. You know the 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 quickness that he offers, uh, just not only with his feet because he he has the athletic skill where he can bounce on his feet, lateral movement. You see that. But he also has the quick punch, the recoil, um, you know, it's just the quickness that he offers, upper body, lower body. That's obviously something that you can't really coach. I mean, that's something that he was born with and that's going to get him drafted likely second round. Um, and, and that's great. But he needs to, you know, the discipline, um, some of the instinctive issues are a big red flag. And so he needs a lot of hard coaching 
once he gets to uh, the NFL level. And so I think it's going to take a little bit for him, but just the raw tools, that's going to get him drafted pretty high uh, because of what he showed. And he is still fairly young in football years um, coming over yeah. as a as a basketball recruit from uh, Nigeria. And, and so I think that, you know, he is a guy that has a, a bright, uh, ceiling if he's able to fix some of those uh, awareness issues, the technical issues, the discipline issues. So teams will take a chance on that. And it was a de- defensive end in high school too, right? Right. I mean, yeah, he was exactly. a guy who's still learning how to play offensive tackle to some extent. Uh, I mean, it's been, uh, you know, four, four, four and a half years now, but still, uh, that's something that he wasn't doing until he got to Auburn, really. So. Yeah, certainly some upside there. Well, and speaking about the offensive tackle position, um, also on uh, New Year's Day, we've got Michigan and Alabama. And I think they're, you know, if the the question or the answer to the question, who has the best, which college program has the best tandem of offensive tackles uh, in the country, I think you could look mm-hmm. at Georgia, you could look at Iowa, you could look at Oregon, but to me, it's Alabama. And that seeing how they match up with Michigan and with Uche uh, rushing off the edge, uh, Alex Leatherwood at left tackle, Jedrick Wills, who um, you know I've, I'm kind of pounding the table as OT1 in this draft. Um, yeah. I think that's going to be fun to watch to see how they match up against each other. We mentioned Shea Patterson. Um, you know, what can he do uh, against a, a Nick Saban defense? Um, no, um, uh, or I think there are a couple of Alabama players that said they're not going to play. Trevon Diggs, I believe, is one of them. He decided mm-hmm. he's not going to play. Trell Lewis is out for that game. So, um, you know, not, it might be, it, it, this Alabama defense, this version already was not really viewed as your typical Nick Saban defense. And now they're going to be missing some of those key pieces. So can Shea Patterson take advantage of that? Uh, we'll have to see. So I, that, that's something to watch for in that, uh, the Citrus Bowl, the Michigan-Alabama matchup. Yeah, I uh, I guess I skipped over that one somehow. It might have been a subconscious decision <laughs> not to discuss that matchup because it sounds like most of the Alabama offensive guys are playing, which yeah, is really where those receivers, you would think Michigan would need some help to have some yeah. of those guys sit. Is, but, uh, is Lavert Hill playing in the corner? I, I can't remember if I saw his name or not. I, I mean, I think a, as of like early this week, I think they were expecting to have all hands on deck. Um, okay. And that obviously could change between now and – uh, January first, but I don't think anyone's officially bailed yet uh, from Michigan side. So, well, that'll be fun um, to see how uh, yeah he, he matches up again, whether it's Rugs or uh, Judy or Taylor or uh, <laughs> just you know the number of guys they have. So he's because Lavert Hill's tough because he's he is a tough man to man guy. He's physical. He he's yep. has quickness. He can use his body. Um, he understands route leverage, but. He's he's been a little bit of a flag magnet with uh, his, his tendency to to uh, grab and to hold and to make that contact a little too early. So just to see him see what he can do against that group of receivers uh, would be something that could potentially help him. And a handful of games after New Year's Day. I'll just kind of group these all together here in uh, Boston College, Cincinnati, uh, Indiana, Tennessee, Ohio, Nevada, Southern Miss, Tulane, Louisiana. And Miami of Ohio in that that week as we kind of tee up the uh, national championship game. But um, the 10 teams there, uh, I don't think any of them are necessarily loaded with draft prospects this year. But you got a name or two maybe to keep an eye on that week? That's that's a tough one. Maybe not. Um, (laughs) I'm looking through these these teams and it's like, 
you know, okay, Boston College, AJ Dillon, uh, you know, running back, not going to be playing. Um, it, so that that's that's an issue there. Um, I think that for Tennessee with Daryl Taylor, um, I, that is a a player that has a lot of ability. I just want to see him let loose. I want to see sure. him rush the passer, and maybe against Indiana, he'll be able to do that. Um, so be eager to watch him to see what he can do. Um, besides that, I, you know, it's hard to get too excited about some of these other teams. Louisiana has some players, uh, Robert, Robert Hunt, Hunt, right? But uh, he's yeah. hurt. He's not going to be playing. Right. Um, sounds like he's going to be out for the Senior Bowl as well. So um, mm. you know, we'll have to see how how serious this injury is. If we're able to see him at, at all during the pre-draft process, because he made my top 100 uh, back in November uh, as one of the better interior offensive line prospects. Um, so unfortunately, um, with some of these players being out, it, it takes a little bit of shine off uh, these bowl games. But um, you know, it's 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 kind of strange to have all these. Is it or am I crazy to have all these bowl games? These maybe lesser bowl games after some of the heavyweights on New Year's Day and and all that. I feel like it's a fairly recent change. Like a couple years, they started doing this just to because the NFL, you know, gets into playoff season, but there's those there's no midweek games, obviously, and so there's kind of those like these random Thursday, Friday, they sort of hit up that weekend after New Year's Day. It's a little weird. I kind of right. like I still like watching all the bowl games. I feel like I lose a little steam for like I mean like the Potato Bowl, Ohio Nevada, Friday, <laughs> January third at three thirty. Like I right, I watch. But, you know, I feel like I lose a little steam. I liked having, uh, I mean, because it used to be like the first day, and I guess the 21st, you know, the Saturday, there's a, a long list of games. But I feel like those first four or five days used to be just, it'd be it'd all be like that. Or there'd be like four or five games, and right. then it would sort of dwindle down as you got closer. So, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you going to watch those games? Yeah, and firing it, up the it, lending it, tree bowl with Louisiana, Miami, Ohio. What the heck else am I going to do? You know, I mean, it, it's it, <laughs> yeah. if, if there's if there's football on TV, I'm going to be watching it. And so that's something that even if it's just in the background and I'm working on tape and working on reports or something else, that that is the perfect kind of background noise to uh, uh, kind of fill things up. Um, I, I one thing I I don't know why they you know they have they spread these bowl games out a little bit. But yet on New Year's Day, we have, you know, two games yeah. both at one o'clock or New Year's Eve. Uh, you know, they they kind of overlap each other with some of these games. Like if you're going to spread them out, spread them out. Some these these better matchups, um, you know, instead of having to choose or flip back and forth between Michigan and Alabama and Minnesota, Auburn, uh, who are playing at the same time, um, you know, spread them out a little bit. Let's let's you know, give the, each of these teams their due. So we don't have to make the, some of these tough decisions on New Year's day. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. And that, that's one of the days I feel like that took a hit too. Like there used to be like in the Outback bowl used to kick off at like 11 in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> like there was yeah. a morning kickoff on New Year's day for a while there. And then, uh, yeah, there used to be a little bit more action. I guess it gives a, a bigger stage to, to those games that are that day. Other than, like you said, uh, you got Minnesota, Auburn and Michigan, Alabama kicking off at, uh, exactly the same time, but um, it does spotlight, I guess, uh, all those games that day. But yeah, I'm with you. I, I kind of like the compacted schedule where everything was squeezed into like a week and a half as opposed to all this drawn out. But I might have a different opinion when it's January 2nd and I don't have anything to do when <laughs> Indiana, Tennessee are playing. So right. Um, right. put off put off the dive into college basketball for another couple of weeks. Well, okay. Uh, so what, uh, what, what's your college football playoff prediction then? Uh, it's, 
we got uh, LSU and Oklahoma yeah. or the Clemson Ohio State game. What do you see? Uh, who do you see the two teams make it to the championship game? Uh, I've got LSU Ohio State and then LSU winning. I got. I'll give a quick shout out here. Uh, I do. A, I don't. Dan Graziano, uh, one of ESPN's NFL reporters, I used to work with way back in the day at uh, AOL Fan House. Um, I don't <laughs> know how people will even remember that? But uh, I was very inex- his very inexperienced editor editor uh and he was an experienced reporter but i used to work with him back in the day he runs the most ridiculous bowl pool uh this year there's a 40 point bonus if you hit uh it's called the big cat bonus any game with a team that has a cat related mascot there's the homer simpson bonus oh, which wow. is all the food sponsors <laughs> is like 18 bonus points that's so, amazing uh quick shout out to dan for getting me in that pool <laughs> i've got i picked uh lsu and ohio state going through and then uh LSU winning, um, like I said, Clemson's favored there. Do you you think Clemson can take down Ohio State? Oh, there's no doubt with the way Clemson's been playing. Yeah. Um, I, the talent's clearly there. It's and it's uh, the last time we saw these two teams match up, it was what thirty five nothing or you know just it it was a, a bloodbath. Um, right. and it it happened pretty quickly. And Ohio State just it was like a snowball they they couldn't they couldn't stop it uh from just getting worse and worse and you, with this game I, I don't think it's gonna be like that at all i think it should be a really competitive matchup two really really good quarterbacks um two really really good running backs uh and just overall i mean neither of these teams i think has a clear weakness and that's gonna make some for some really fun uh matchups and ohio state has been a traditionally slow team um both you know but that's been the true in the past that's been true this year uh they don't do a lot of early scoring first quarter scoring it, it takes them usually a quarter to uh mm-hmm. just hey, get get in rhythm and 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 you know, make plays and that's something we saw uh hurt them in in the, the big 10 championship game they didn't have a lead until you know the final seconds of the third quarter before uh the final quarter so it's something that it, you can't do that against the Clemson team where uh, let them jump out on top and before you know it it's 14 nothing so Ohio State I think is this the game maybe they change that and maybe whether they elect to receive or you know they score in their first possession or um I think that's going to be the key whoever scores first I, I think is going to go a long way to kind of determining uh just the overall um uh, how the game plays out um now both these teams are have the talent uh, uh, just individual and as a whole to win this game so I'm, I just I can't wait I think it's gonna be a fun one I I really I'm, I'm torn I one day I'll wake up and think it's Clemson you know next it's Ohio State so right now I'll give Ohio State the slight edge um but you know I'll wake up tomorrow and and have a have a different different opinion so I think these two teams are just so talented yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, as I said, I think last week Clemson feels like it's almost been flying under the radar, despite you know being national champs and uh, being undefeated. So uh, we'll see what they tee up for Ohio State. Uh, looking forward to all these games. As I said, we're recording. There's a bowl game about to get going in three hours here. So uh, lots of action coming over the next few weeks. We'll be here to recap as much of it as we can get to in you know thirty and forty five minute snippets. Uh, we thank everyone again for. Uh, listening hope if you're traveling this weekend you're safe and uh, enjoy some time with the family and we'll be back uh, next week to discuss uh, discuss some of these bowl games that have happened and maybe dip into the NFL world a little bit too as week 17 uh, approaches and the playoffs get going after that so thanks again for listening for subscribing to The Athletic uh, for Dane Brugler and Kent Garrison I'm Chris Burke and we'll talk to you soon